Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. I'm still hanging in there, although I have to say that I've been doing some non-podcast-related reading, and I really need to finish that book so that I can read what's up next. I blame Elizabeth George for my current inability to complete everything on my checklist. Anyway... Today, we have the next chapter of the Bibliotheca. We are up to Book 3, Chapter 3, and I am still using the Fraser translation, which is easily accessible online. And we are also still covering the children of Minos, and today's episode is devoted to one of his sons, Glaucus. When Glaucus is young, he chases a mouse, falls into a jar of honey, and drowns which is impressive. That must be some jar of honey. I picture Winnie the Pooh with his head all the way in the honey jar, except it's a child, and it just seems like that had to be a really big jar of honey. I realize you can drown in just a couple of inches of water, but honey, really? Anyway, Minos, realizing that his son is missing, decides to ask his soothsayers for help finding him. They tell him that there's this cow in his herd that's three different colors. If Minos can find someone who can properly describe the cow's color, then that's the man who can find Glaucus. A man named uh, Peleidus says the cow looks like a mulberry, which means he's the guy. He uses his own divination and finds Glaucus. Minos is furious because he was expecting the guy to bring back his son alive, so he locks Peleidus up in Glaucus's tomb. While there, this snake goes for the corpse, so Peleidus throws a stone at it. He must have excellent aim because he kills the snake with just that one stone. But then another snake shows up. However, instead of going for Glaucus, this snake takes one look at its dead comrade, slithers away, and then returns with an herb that it uses to bring the dead snake back to life. Peleidus is no fool, as we've already seen with the mulberry cow test thing, so he uses the same herb on Glaucus, and it works. Glaucus is brought back to life. Minos is thrilled, but he tells Peleidus that he can't leave until he teaches Glaucus his arts, and so he does. So this means Peleidus has now taught Glaucus how to be a diviner and prophet and soothsayer and stuff. But before he leaves and finally gets to go home, Peleidus tells Glaucus to spit into his mouth, and that act causes Glaucus to forget everything Peleidus taught him, so ultimately Peleidus does get the last word. And that's all our author has to say about the descendants of Europa, and it's also where today's chapter ends. Okay, first of all, the cow thing. Apparently, when the soothsayers talk about a cow that has three colors, they don't mean that it's spotted like a three-colored Holstein. They mean that it's like the horse of a different color in The Wizard of Oz. The cow changes color throughout the day. So it's one color in the morning, one in the middle of the day, and one at night. And the color changes that it goes through are the same changes that a ripening mulberry go through. So that's fun. That's how Peleidus solves the riddle. It does not seem that 
difficult to me. I don't get why this is some big test, but there you go. Second thing, the end. How Glaucus loses all of his knowledge of divination that he learned from Pleiades. The spitting in the mouth thing. This is a thing in Greek mythology, and not just this story. Uh, Remember Cassandra and her curse? Apollo spits in her mouth, and that's why no one believes any of her prophecies. I don't know if it's strictly related to prophecies, but it's a thing, this spitting in the mouth thing. And it is interesting because, as you probably know, saliva is a very intimate fluid. Even very young children know that. They, they know that that spit in saliva is special. And they are selective about who they will share their spoon with. If, if the kid takes a bite of their cereal or whatever and then offers you the spoon, they really love you and trust you and you are in their inner circle. Gross as it may be. So it's interesting that the Greeks do have a trope that is literally about swapping spit. I'm not sure exactly what it means, but it is something that now I'm going to need to keep an eye out in other sources because it's it's interesting that this is a thing. Recent research I, I heard about on, on NPR about spit swapping and young children, and maybe it was on the BBC. Anyway, it's interesting. None of this, of course, is really what this chapter made me think of. (laughs) What this chapter really made me think of has nothing to do with anything, and that is George, Duke of Clarence. If you've heard of him, you're probably most familiar with him as a character in Shakespeare's Richard III. He was, in fact, one of Richard III's brothers and is probably best known for how he died. He drowned in a butt of sack, a.k.a. a ginormous barrel of wine. Primary sources aren't clear on whether this was an execution, an accident, a suicide, a murder. Shakespeare would have you believe that it was murder, but he also places George's death several years after it happened, and you really need to take Shakespeare's Richard III with a grain of salt given the history in which it was written— a.k.a. under the reign of the family that defeated Richard III. So history written by the winners, there's there's just a little propaganda in Shakespeare's Richard III. And he's trying to write a good tragedy, let's face it. He does. He writes a great tragedy. It is not historically accurate, but it's a great tragedy. Um, And I know this is not a podcast about the Wars of the Roses. I could have done that. It is a period of history that I love. I might have written a senior thesis in high school about Richard III, which does explain why someone drowning in a barrel of honey makes me think of George Plantagenet, Duke of Clarence, drowning in his butt of sack. Um, it, so it, it explains. There's There's a reason that my brain goes there. It's just interesting. We we have a historical act, actual case of someone drowning in a large vat of wine into this myth about a boy drowning in a jar of honey. Um, so yes, I went two places. I went to Winnie the Pooh and I, and I went to the Wars of the Roses because that's how my brain works. So what does this chapter make you think of? Related to the myth or, or not? Could, could be totally off on some tangent like, like me. What what does it have to say about human relationships? Uh, 
spit swapping, right? Pop over to the blog and share. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes, depending on your platform. You can find me on Patreon as Triumvirclio, should you feel so inclined. No pressure. In the next episode, we'll cover Seneca's Hercules on Oeta. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.